Welcome to the Mapped Out Money podcast, where we help you use your money to do more of what matters. You're listening to episode number 76. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money Book Club. Uh, this is a kind of ad hoc book club that we've put together over the past year or so. And we just actually did Atomic Habits last month, and we're gearing up for our next book club meeting, which is going to be in July. We're going to be reading uh, Rock Retirement by Roger Whitney. And I know this sounds like a retirement book, but I would actually recommend this for basically anyone who ever thinks they're going to retire, even if you're 20. It's a great book. So uh, check that out. If that sounds like something that you would like to join us for, go to mappedoutmoney.com forward slash book club. I think this is going to be a fun episode because this is something that we've talked about doing for a little while now, like kind of framing things up as a as a case study and letting yeah. you answer them. We got a lot of questions. Ba- basically, so like the last Q&A episode was a bunch of almost like a, just one-off kind of all over the place questions. And we had a number of questions that were really detailed profiles, if you will, people giving us information about themselves or about a friend or a family member and asking for our thoughts on that. And so this this Q&A is going to end up being an, a, basically a number of different case studies and kind of our thoughts on how we might attack that situation. Yeah. So with that being said, are you, you ready to get started? Yeah, let's jump in. Okay. I have recently helped a friend get set up with YNAB as she's always been stressed about money, stuck in the paycheck to paycheck cycle with a about a $70,000 income. She's recently had some, quote, unexpected money situations come up, including rent increase and expensive car maintenance. She has no savings or retirement savings and is in her mid-40s. She also has small credit card debt of about $3,000. I'm trying to figure out what her plan of priorities should be since there's so many things to tackle. Does she pay off the debt, start an emergency fund, save for retirement? It's a lot, and I worry that she'll get discouraged if we tackle too many things at once. But I want to help change her situation. Do you guys have any advice on first goals and then how to prioritize? Well, it's kind of convenient that you just did the sponsor read for the book club where we did Atomic Habits because kind of where me and you started with this was the importance of habits. Totally. A couple things out of the gate is like, one, I really like that you said, I think that she might get discouraged if we try to tackle too many things at once. And that's totally accurate. And to your point with Atomic Habits, a big part of changing your priorities from a habit focused or from a goal focused priority to a sort of habit focused process is in a way you don't end up focusing on too many things at once. You just focus on the process of managing the money and executing the routine and then know that if you just focus on that process, the other stuff sort of starts to take care of itself. But to to try and dig in a little bit more on the way that I would attack this is First things first, what I would probably do is to to pitch our uh, episode on year planning. Uh, we did an episode at the very beginning of this year. I don't remember exactly what episode that was, but I'll look it up. Um, it's it's called something like "Make 2022 Your Best Year Ever" or something like that. And in that episode, Hannah and I talk through our three step process for uh, basically managing your money. And that process is track, plan, spend. So in the first step. You're just trying to track your money, just get a handle on it. You know, you've set her up with YNAB. She's getting an idea of what she's got going on. The second step is to plan. And for this person, the planning piece is going to be the most important part. 
what do I mean when I say plan? Well, it really is getting clear on her vision for her future life and what she really wants to make happen. And so she's in her mid-40s. Presumably, she does want to retire at some point. Would love to know, like, when? When would be an ideal time? And along that path, what are some other things that she would want to accomplish? This is where she needs to actually not focus on the money stuff as much at first, but to instead think about what she wants her life to look like. Think about the things that she really cares about doing and the fun that she enjoys having and making sure that we start putting that part into the budget. Because if we're only saying you need to build an emergency fund and, and pay off credit card debt and save for retirement, it's like, yeah, that stuff's good. But if your budget isn't actively helping you work towards things that you actually care about doing, things that are on your dream list, things that um, you really enjoy, then you're going to get discouraged in just aiming for these like financial targets, if you will. Yeah, you have to figure out the things in life that give the money stuff meaning. Like for us, um, to use a travel example, when we were traveling a lot by ourselves in the RV, we kind of noticed like, man, this is fun for a little while. But then after we've been doing it for like months, kind of feels meaningless to us because we don't have like family around mm -hmm. to share it with mm -hmm. um, and a, a, like a consistent community of friends. And so I think like with your money, I think you see it all the time with celebrities and, uh, you know, pro athletes and stuff like they get all this money. But if they haven't gotten clear on like what in life makes this a meaningful thing to me, like either they they blow it all and they end up bankrupt or like they just live a miserable life like money is not the answer to all of that no not at all not at all so that that's where what i would focus on as you're trying to help your friend is what does she care about and if she's able to get a handle on her money what is that going to allow her to do that she can't currently do what's going to help her make the connection between budgeting and oh the budget is what allows me to do these more important really big things that i care about yeah that's also the key to not yo-yo budgeting too, totally. just like yo-yo dieting, yes, you know, yep. like paying off a bunch of debt and then finding yourself right back in it a few months later. Yep. So that's my main part of my answer is track, plan, spend. Planning is that middle piece that we really think you need to spend some real time with. The spending part is where we would then answer your other part of the question, which is like, when we do talk about financial goals of, you know, credit card debt versus retirement versus emergency funds, sort of how do we think about that? In the context of our track plan spend, spending is making sure that YNAB is set up in a way to help us achieve the plan that we laid out. I always like to say uh, the phrase, put your money where your mouth is, that's kind of what we're doing here. Your mouth is saying, this is what's important to me. This is what matters to me in the planning piece. Well, We've been tracking your money if you've done that first step. So we're able to actually see, okay, is your money where your mouth is? Are you saying that these things are important to you, but not actually spending money in that way? So the spending step is, great, in order for us to execute the plan, in order for us to hit these um, dreams that we have, what needs to change in our budget in order to make that a reality? Now, if you'd like my advice on the specific, the way that I typically approach this in sort of an order of operations is... First and foremost, getting a very small emergency fund. Now, if 
you are using YNAB, the easiest way, and to me, the most motivating way to do this is to focus on trying to get one full month ahead. That means breaking the paycheck to paycheck cycle and getting this month's income to be used for next month's expenses. So if you're using YNAB, that means that literally income comes in in May, you click the arrow key and you budget that money down into June. That's where you're trying to get to a place where you don't need the money that you make in this month for expenses this month. Now that takes time, but what's nice about it is that once you get a month ahead, now you're not so stressed about paycheck to paycheck. You're not so stressed about when bills are due and is money in the bank account. It also allows you to budget the full month in advance and you have a full month there on your phone to be able to see, oh, I actually have a full month of groceries and I can pay attention to that number as I go throughout the month to make sure that I'm staying on track. The other nice thing about operating one month ahead is that it acts like an emergency fund. So if you do get into a situation where you've got a car maintenance issue or an unexpected large expense, you can take from future months, pull it back into the current month and handle that. So it sort of kills two birds with one stone. Once you've gotten a month ahead, or for some people, they just try to get half a month ahead, which is basically like uh, just trying to get one paycheck ahead if you get paid biweekly. But once you've done that, then we turn our attention to making sure you are at least getting the employer match. Um, so if you're working a job where you have access to a retirement account and your employer gives you a match up to a certain percentage, you want to start with that. I won't get into the math, but it's it's free money. It's effectively a, a you know 100% return on your money for the money that you're putting in. And so no matter what your interest rate is on your debt, getting that free match money is always a better financial deal. So we want to do that next. After that, we want to attack high interest debt. So if she's got three grand on a credit card, I guarantee that's going to be higher interest than basically anything else she's probably got. And it's definitely going to be higher interest than what she can earn investing for retirement. So we want to knock that out. Then it gets a little bit subjective. Now what we want to do is look at, okay, what are the other debts that we have? What are the interest rates on those debts? How much do we have saved for retirement? What's going on there? And it starts getting a little bit more, more, nuanced. more nuanced at that point. And uh, I, can, I can give some thoughts on that maybe later, but this kind of starts getting outside the scope of this question, because if she knocks out all of that, that's going to take a few months at least, uh, probably more. Um, and by the time she gets there, she's going to be well on her way to, you know, starting to kind of know maybe how to attack that next step. The last thing that I wanted to say as it relates to this situation that I, I don't know the answer to this is it's always important to consider your options around your income. And so, you know, all I know about this lady is that she's making 70 grand, but I don't really know anything else. So 70K in a small town as a single woman, that'd be pretty good. Like that would probably go a good, a good way. She could live a pretty good life on that. 70K in a really expensive city with four kids is really tight. So that 70K is not going to go very far. So depending on you know, what's going on? Where does she live? Is it just her? Is she taking care of other people? Then my advice would also potentially be to, we got to find ways to increase income if that 70K just isn't going very far based on her location and her family size. But so that that is important to say, because to a certain extent, 
you always want to make sure that you're asking that question because there's only so much that you can cut and change. At some point, you do have to consider maybe I just need to find ways to make more money, which is sort of a whole different way to attack this problem. Yeah. Um, One final thing just on the discouragement piece and kind of getting overwhelmed. I think it's important whenever you're tackling a situation like this to, like you said, figure out what's important to you and then figure out what habits or what changes you need to make that are going to help you move towards those things. But then once you've assessed that and you have those things in order, take a break from listening to a whole bunch of stuff on, like in this case, money and finances for, I don't know, a month, two months, three months, whatever. Just work the plan. Yes. And then like set an appointment on your calendar of like, hey, okay, revisit these things, see how my plan is going, um, you know, and then make any changes that need to be made. Because I can, I've been really bad about this in particular, like with health stuff. So if we're trying to improve like our eating or something, I'll just like inundate myself with like nutrition podcasts and books and like well, yeah, like reading a nutrition like, oh, textbook I, or something. I need something. to go carnivore. No, I, I need to go vegetarian. No, I need I to I start like going hard in the pain on stuff yeah, and, and like, then my brain feels like it's going to explode. Yep. And then I just kind of don't want to do anything with it. And I'm like, well, I don't know which one of these makes sense to do. And so it's kind of like, okay, do some research, figure mm-hmm. out something that's going to be an improvement from what you're doing yeah. and then just do it for a little while. And, and then, you know, let yourself read or listen to some fun things or something, something on a different topic. No, I, I think that's a great point. Okay. So this one is going to piggyback really well on what you talked about with getting a month ahead in YNAB. It says one thing I've been confused about is how does money age when each month you're putting, say, $400 in the grocery category and then spending it that same month or $50 in the dog food category and then spending it that same month? Uh, can you imagine only spending $50 on dog food? <laughs> what a life. <laughs> we feed our granted, dogs gold. Well, granted, we do buy in bulk, so we tend to buy a couple of months worth That's at a true. time, but That's still. True. Anyways, uh, doesn't that mean that this money never counts towards aging? So uh, it's a good question. So for those of you who don't use YNAB, YNAB is sort for you need a budget. There's a a feature in YNAB called uh, aging your money. And the goal, right, is to get a a higher number. But I actually really don't like this feature. And uh, quite honestly, I wish they would take it away because it confuses most people. And to me, it focuses on the wrong goal. I like to say that age of money in YNAB is sort of like your weight on a scale for your health. It is a number that tells you something about how healthy you are. But if I told you, hey, here's a person, I'm not going to tell you their gender, their height, their age, or anything else about them, and they weigh 200 pounds, are they healthy or unhealthy? Yeah, it doesn't give you very much. You can't answer that question. The same thing is true about aging your money. If I tell you that I have an age of money of 30 days, what does that tell you? Not much unless you know how the accounts are structured, unless you know how the bank accounts are set up. Are they on budget? Are they off budget? What are you using? What are you saving for? How are your targets? Like you you don't really know much. And the reason is because the way that age of money is calculated is it simply looks at as money comes into your bank account, how many days on average does it sit there before that money gets spent? So if you have, let's say, for example, 
a savings account on your budget where you're holding like an emergency fund or money for a down payment on something or your property taxes, then your age of money is going to be artificially inflated because that savings is just sitting there for months on end until one day you use it. But then what happens is December rolls around and people who've been saving their property taxes and their Christmas money up all year long, they spend it. And so then their age of money tanks and then they freak out and they go, oh my gosh, my age of money is so low. What did I do? I messed up. And it's like, no, you just spent the money that you had saved, which is perfectly fine. That's what it's for. So I would encourage you to know that like age of money really doesn't matter because it all is dependent on how you have things set up. Now, if you literally only have your checking account in YNAB, you have no other bank accounts, no other credit cards, and just had a checking account, then yeah, age of money would would kind of tell you how far ahead you are, meaning if you quit making money today, how kind of long would you last? It might, it gets you close to that answer. But again, it's not that interesting. What's much more interesting to me is breaking the paycheck to paycheck cycle and getting one full month ahead. Because if you get paid every other week, then you only have to get half a month ahead to break paycheck to paycheck. If you get paid weekly, you need to get Again, half a month, two weeks ahead to break paycheck to paycheck. If you get paid once a month, you got to get a full month ahead. And so no matter how you get paid, if you can get one full month ahead in YNAB, you've broken paycheck to paycheck, which means you're not stressed about, is there money in the account for the bills? It allows you to have a full budget ready to go at the beginning of every month so you know what you're working with. And like I said in the last question, it helps you also have sort of a extra one month emergency fund. And so one full month ahead, how do you know if you're one full month ahead? Well, if you're using what YNAP calls targets, where you are saying, I want to do 800 for groceries and a thousand for this and 500 for that, and you've got your budget goals or targets set up every month, you'll know that you're one full month ahead if you're able to show up on July 1st and the entire month is fully funded with money that you made in June. The other thing about getting a full month ahead is that it makes it much nicer to um, pre-spend your spending money. <laughs> Not that I ever like to do that. You have never done that before. No, no. I come in like May 20th or whatever all the time like, okay, so I went ahead and bought this. And no, it's gonna, what's funny is sometimes you don't even say it. You just, I just put you, it in the memo. You just put it in YNAB. <laughs> She'll enter a transaction. Put like a little winky And thing. you'll put a memo that's like, this is June's money. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I've, I think I've gotten a little bit better about it, but you you I mean, really don't do it very you know, often, but a couple a couple times a year it does happen. Yeah. Um, okay. Any thoughts on how to manage a rather sizable amount of tax money owed to Uncle Sam after a chaotic year of partial unemployment and full time work? Let me add that the emergency fund was blown out of the water. So this is tough. And also, we would like to add here, like this happens to a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people. So that that's actually the first thing I want to say here is like, hey, you know, don't be ashamed if this is you. This is very common and you should use the options that are available to you. And so the IRS has payment plans and you should look at them. Don't feel like you have to have some sort of pride or something to, to maintain like, oh, I, I have to pay this in full. No, you don't. Like there are payment plans for the IRS. You can absolutely take one. I have worked with, I mean, at this point, countless people who owe taxes from four, five, seven, three years ago. 
not just I last like the order that taxes. you just did that four five i don't know i mean but just like three. legit when i think about i i don't think i've worked with anybody who who's owed taxes for more than seven years ago but you know like my point is it's all over the board and the good news is like uncle sam's gonna get their money but they are they will work with you if you are making an effort to make regular payments so please look into their payment plan options the next Part of your question, right, though, really the, the, the heart of your question is, you know, what do you do when you just have so much going on, right, where it's like you just get hit with all these things at once. You've got tax money that you owe. You've been unemployed, so you, you know, haven't really um, been able to, you know, make as much money as you typically would. And then the emergency, you know, money was totally blown because of all this. So, you know, what do you do? And at the end of the day, this is where I'm going to sound like a broken record, but if you are not budgeting and you don't know your numbers like the back of your hand, then you're going to have a real hard time navigating this situation. And so what do I mean when I say know your numbers? What I mean is you need to know, like I, if, if you're listening to the show, not this person asking the question, anyone who's listening, if I walked up to you on the street cold, you didn't have your phone on you and you didn't whatever, and I asked you, how much money do you bring in per month? And what are your total expenses per month? How much do you need to live your life? You should know those numbers. That will help you whenever you do have an unexpected thing come along because then you can more easily navigate. If you know that you make five grand a month take home and that it takes 4K to live your life and that extra thousand you're using to like pay down debt or save and invest or something like that, well, the second you have a large unexpected expense, we can go, okay, well, I can, I can pause a few things, I can do this, do that, and I can free up this much money per month, right? Or if you know that you take home 7K a month and it takes you 6999 and you have no breathing room at all, well, okay, that's fine, but that's good to know. You should know those numbers because ultimately the way you've got to handle this is you've got to know your numbers so that you can then call who you need to call and ask for payment plans. Call who you need to call and say, I need to, take, I need to defer this call you need to call and cancel things if you don't know your numbers then there's no way you're going to be able to navigate and make changes on the fly in order to get through a really tight spot yeah i think um a lot of people are scared that the numbers are so bad that they don't want to know them. totally yeah but um when i think about that when i think about not having a good grasp on like the money you make, the money you need to live your life, all of that stuff. I think of like an astronaut, like floating around, you know, yeah. outside of like a spaceship, just like totally not able to like bounce off of anything to get back to where he needs to be. And um, so I think the important thing to remember is that humans thrive off of um, limitations yep. and uh, boundaries. Boundaries yeah. is probably a better word. And knowing your numbers helps you know your boundaries. And um, I don't know. I just think it's a really, it's a really uncomfortable place to not know. Does that make sense? Well, like when you think about just floating well, around about, out there with nothing to work with. Yeah, because that's the point, right? Like think about if you're not budgeting, if you have no baseline, right? Back to our track plan spend. If you've mm -hmm. not been tracking and you don't know what's going on, when a big unexpected thing happens you kind of can go into panic mode and you don't even know what opportunities you might be able to change in yeah. order to find that money, right? Yeah. Whereas like when you and I have had 
unexpected, like, oh crap, this happened. You're immediately like, money. Oh, okay, we can take some money from this. Like, we, we look at the budget and go, well, we can change this, we can do that, we can eat out less, we can, you know, cut that. Mm-hmm. And like, we'll, we make it work. And yeah. then we navigate through that stressful time. It's still stressful, but not nearly as stressful if we were just looking at the money in the bank account and trying to do mental games. That's how most people live. They, yeah. they just look at their bank account and do mental math about like, oh, well, I know rent's due next week and the, the cable bill comes out after – like that. But if it's not written down and it's not planned for, then you can't navigate this yeah. well at all. I guess the main point I wanted to make with that is like as icky as it can feel to start like diving into those numbers, like trust that once you figure things out a little bit, it will feel better than floating around in outer space. Yeah. If I could add one more thing to that, because I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said it that way. There's also a um, a level of objectivity that you want to try to bring to this, which is really hard. But the uh, the way that I think about this is um, Nat Elias, a guy that I follow on Twitter, just tweeted this out the other day and said, um, one of the best parts that I found for uh, having my daughter, he just recently, him and his wife just recently had their first kid. And he said that um, it's made him start asking the question of, for himself, what would he tell her to do? And so basically he's like, when I find myself in a sticky situation, I'm trying to decide what to do. I just pretend that my daughter is asking me this question and it's immediately apparent That's how, such a good exercise. how I should tell Not her to handle this. Not even for kids in particular though, totally. but like it's so much easier to solve other people's it's problems. It's way easier to oh, solve somebody oh, else's man, problem. Yeah. And so like, you know, the person who asked this question, I would tell you like set up your budget and get your numbers, figure out what it costs you to live, get those numbers dialed in, and then like close the computer, sl- go to sleep, and then tomorrow morning after you slip on it, open it up and pretend that this is somebody else's problem. And they're like, hey, what do you think I should do about this? And then try to answer the question from that standpoint, and it can it can sometimes trick your mind into just thinking a little bit more clearly about the problem. I think that's good advice. Okay, the next question. I have a 401k retirement account, which I have to take money out of every year RMD, so required minimum distribution. When I do, it's automatically put into our bank savings account. Can I divide this money total by 12 and consider that as monthly income and wind up? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, this is a great question. We won't spend a ton of time on it, but I, I've I've had the privilege of getting to help a ton of retirees with their budget, and it's really fun. It's scary for a lot of them because for many of them, they've never budgeted in their life, and then they retire and they have this like very fixed income, and they're like, "Oh crap, I need to like figure this out," but. Literally what you're describing is is exactly what I do. And so what I like to do is depending on how you get your money, because most retirees typically have some combination of like pension, social security, and then drawdowns from their investments. The way that I typically handle this is any drawdowns that you're taking from your investments, especially if you're having to take them in a lump sum, I have them in a savings account that I hold outside of my budget. So if you're using YNAB, uh, this is going to be in a tracking account. I do not put this in the on budget section. I want it outside the budget area. And so I hold this money in a separate bank account. And then once a month, we pay a paycheck 
just like you're on salary, just like you're used to being on salary for your whole life up to this point, we just make a bank transfer of the exact same amount every month. And so what's cool is that like, if you want to travel, what most retirees do is they think about the trip and then when they need the trip, they just pull the whole amount for the trip in the month that they're planning to take the trip. What I would rather you do is of the salary portion that you're getting every month that you're paying yourself, use that money to start saving for a trip just the same way you would do if you were working a job and getting a salary on a normal paycheck cycle. Basically, you've been living that way for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, right? Like, let's not totally change what's working for us when we retire. Let's emulate this monthly salary draw. Because again, going back to like, humans really thrive in these like boundaries and with consistency and predictability. And so we're trying to create as much of that as possible. So that's kind of the way that I handle it. It also seems like it helped with the mental aspect of, you know, like when you know that you have this like chunk of cash and it's just dwindling down day by day. But like when you do it that way and, you know, divide it out among the 12 months and for those big expenses like a trip or whatever, you're just budgeting for that regularly. I don't know. It just that I think that would give me a lot of peace of mind as opposed to like, well, I just had to take out like more and like maybe that's going to throw everything off. And I don't know. It's really stressful. Yeah. So I can imagine. We try to try to make it as predictable as possible. So that's exactly how I do it. All right. From retirement to being a student. I'm a full-time student MBA for the next year or so. I get my student loans at the beginning of each semester, so a large inflow, but then I don't have any income for the rest of that period. How do you recommend I store that money that's in ready to assign? Should I go in and budget for all the future months? Even I, even if I do that for now, I'd have some left over that I don't know how I'm going to use. It could just be added to my emergency fund, but I don't really think I need to increase that. Could go to student loans, housing expenses after school, etc. In short, if you have leftover ready to assign funds and you don't have a specific use for them determined at this point, where do you store them? So there's a reason we put this question right after the last question, right? Is that actually budgeting for a retiree and budgeting for a student who gets all their loans dropped in at the beginning of the semester is very similar. And so what I would do is very similar to the retiree. It's a little bit different because you got a, a few other things to think about, but it's basically the same thing. So I would not have that money. I would not hold that money in my main checking first off. So I would get that money out into a separate account that is not on your budget. That's going to be the simplest way to separate that in your mind because what I've seen a lot of friends do when I was in college is get those student loans and start buying stuff that oh, they Oh my gosh, that's exactly really, what I was going to talk about. Really don't need. Yeah. Right? So like first of all, if if you're the one who asked this question, so good on you yes. for like budgeting Holy this cow. out and thinking Most about this. Most people are not doing this yeah. at all. And if you're the parent of a student who is getting student loans, like I would really encourage them to do this and help yep. them set some sort of budget up for that. Because like you said, we watch so many people. I saw friends go out to eat with their student oh, loans, go on major buy vacations, vacations with student loans, buy, buy tech like, equipment yes. they didn't need with student loans, yeah. buy new phones with student loans. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's bad. And then they get out of school and they're like buried in debt. Yep. So, you know, it's really, really fun while you're still <laughs> in college. Like Nick and I were living with our flip phones when we were in college and like our friends were buying like Beats headphones and it's whatever nuts. else, like yeah. my grad school friends. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. So that being said, get it out of that, get it out of your checking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> put, it, put it, put it in another account 
and you cannot afford to go to Cancun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, put yourself on some sort of salary based on what you know your budget needs. Now, there's something. So, so you get that. You listen to the retiree question. Cool, you'll do that. Now, there's one other thing I wanted to say here because if you if you dig into this question, you said if I were to budget it out ahead then I actually should have extra money, meaning my student loans are more than what I think I need to live on. Cool. So then you're going, well, what should I do? Should I just beef up the emergency fund, you know, just pay it back towards a student loan, save up for, you know, housing expenses after my school's done, yada, yada, yada. And that's where I would encourage you to think about our framework of track plan spend. Going back to that episode, what was that episode number, by the way? Oh, 69. 69. I should know that. We've referenced that several times. Yeah. So uh, episode 69 is the beginning of the 2022, is the beginning of this year. Actually, I think we <clears throat> put it out in December. But, oh, okay. Yeah. So, But right at the end of the year. And that episode on track plan spend, presumably, this person's an MBA student, so they're obviously trying to take their career Seriously, they have plans for the future. So what are those plans? What would you life, like life to look like after school? What would you uh, want to be doing? What do you hope to do? Do you, you want to move? Do you want to buy a house? Like, what do you want to do? And I imagine that if you're not going for private student loan forgiveness, which as an MBA student, I don't, I doubt you are, then that means you're going to pay those student loans back. So if you have extra money, left over from your student loans, more than likely, we probably want to hold that money in that account and be prepared to potentially just pay it right back when so we graduate school. I don't, you'd probably, wouldn't you create like a category in YNAB and just say like loan payback or something Loan like payback and hold, and it? hold it. Yep. So, yeah. and that's where I was going to say that the last part of this question, right, is what do you, you know, their sort of summary was in short, what do you do if you have leftover money that you don't need for a specific use? So I quite literally create categories all the time that's just very on the nose, right? And so I'll just literally create a category called, I don't know what to do with this. And I put money in it. Or create a category called- Do not go on vacation with this money. Don't touch this money and put it in there, right? Um, And so the point is, I don't like holding money in what YNAB calls ready to assign because if it's sitting there, it doesn't have a job and it's gonna get spent somewhere. And so I wanna give it a job, even if the job is, I don't know what I'm doing with this yet. And that's perfectly adequate. So- if you have extra money that you didn't need to live your life from student loans, I would try and hold that money to the side as much as possible because depending on the student loan rate that you have, it's going to be some of your highest interest debt potentially. So you probably are going to want to pay that back as fairly quickly as you can and try not to use that money towards other things once you graduate. That's the way I would think about it. All right. How do you prepare for tax time with YNAB? I realize YNAB is budgeting software, not accounting software. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just had to listen to a rant uh, from Nick on this the other day. Um, However, it is where all of my expenditures and income are recorded. My YNAB budget is set up for my values with a nod for how things need to be reported for tax time. I usually export to Excel to sort the data. I'm wondering, are there easier ways, different organizing options that would make tax time more streamlined? Okay, so a couple of things here. Uh, first off, <laughs> Hannah's, <laughs> Hannah's smiling at me. Uh, first off, it sounds like this person is not running a business out of YNAB, but they are instead using their personal budget, but they do have a handful of things that are, you know, important during tax time, and so they, they need to use them. That's the way I'm reading this. Now, if that's not you, if you are actually running a, your business in YNAB, 
Um, as a complete aside, YNAB will work as your accounting tool. So you don't have to use YNAB and QuickBooks. You need to make a video on that. I should. I should. Because um, there's a lot of misinformation out there around this. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. There's a lot of fake news <laughs> A lot about of fake using. news about that. <laughs> I may or may not have gotten into an argument on the internet <laughs> about this. Anyways, um, the point is... Uh, if you're thoughtful about your category structure, you can absolutely use YNAB as your accounting tool, export that data, and give it to your accountant, and taxes are ready to go. Now, if you are using your, if you're using YNAB for your business, then yeah, you probably don't want to do what this person is doing, which is they have their budget set up for their values. We'll get into that in a bit. If you're using your business, you need to set it up based on taxes. Like you need to set up your structure based on what your accountant is going to like to see and based on the way a typical business is going to set up their category structure in the way that you would if you were using QuickBooks or whatever. Now, if you are using a personal budget, but there are just a handful of things that happen each year that you need to be sort of able to quickly grab for tax time, I agree with you. I don't want to totally just budget based on taxes. That's super annoying. The whole point of personal budgeting is to be able to use the budget based on your values. So a couple of options is... First off, you could, you know, have a dedicated category for these things that are taxable or need to be sort of explained at tax time, categorize them there. But the other cool thing that you can do, which I've done a lot, is if, if this is you, if it's personal, but you just have a few things for taxes, is anytime there's a transaction that comes through your, your accounts that you're like, oh, I, I need to keep an eye on that one for tax time. I literally will put hashtag tax in the memo of the of the transaction so that at the end of the year, I can search all of my accounts for hashtag tax from January you know 1st to December 31st and select all those transactions and export just those transactions to an Excel file and give that to the accountant. And if you're using a personal budget and you're just trying to you know have those few items, then that will work perfectly for you. So um, person who asked this, if you're listening to this, uh, I would love for you to email me if you have like a follow-up on this specifically around like what are you trying to get? What information are you trying to get that makes tax time more streamlined? What are you doing that you really need this? Um, because the only people who are going to need this significantly or if you're running a business or if you have some sort of real estate investment or something to that effect, where you've got a lot of information that's pertinent for taxes, if it's really just a handful of items that hashtag tax in the memo will work really, really well for you and allow you to keep your structure how you like it on the category side. Okay. So, um, we're actually, we're recording at the library right now because we've been homeless podcasters, like the in-between, like we just got our house sold, but we haven't closed on our building yet. Um, and it's we're been, recording from the RV in the Alabama heat, which you can't turn the yeah, air Yeah, we have on. to turn the air off. It's a little bit the, of a problem. The dogs get hot. And then they get loud and rowdy. And, so anyways, um, we're at the library. Yeah, and they close in just a few minutes. <laughs> so we are not going to have time to answer all of the questions that we thought we were going to have time to answer. But we've got some good ones. So like yeah. in the next one, we're going to do all about like structuring your budget around your values. We've got a good question about moving from California to the East Coast and things to consider as part of that and how to think through that from a you know financial standpoint. Got a question about starting a business and risk management. So lots of good stuff. Yeah, and we don't want to rush through them. So that will be coming up in the next episode. But for now, we'll leave it here. Um, but I do want to do a Stuff We Like. 
Yeah, what are you liking these days? Uh, well, you know what I'm liking? Okay, so we're recording this on May 31st, and this is going to be a cheesy um, stuff we like. I'm just liking our um, our listeners, our Mapped Out Money family, uh, because I shared in one of the last newsletters about our new month, new money. Oh, yeah. Yes, and we had some people respond that they also celebrate new month, new money. I feel like um, <laughs> we're creating our own holiday. <laughs> Happens every month. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we're just getting ready to we're celebrate. getting ready to celebrate. New month, new money. New so month, new money. I'm liking new month, new money, and I'm liking the other people who celebrate it with us. That's a good one. That's a good one. So we're, we may even leave here at the library and go use some new month, new money. We'll I know, have to see. Look, my bad habits have rubbed off on you. <laughs> you can't wait to eat out. Anyways, you feel good? Any, I feel good. Anything else that needs to be said? Nope, we're good to go. All right, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>